0: Welcome to episode 74 of Across the Pond. My name is David Ashbaugh. His name, of course, is 610 Funquist. And 610, we finally managed to lock down an interview for our listeners. And uh, it was a good one, too. Unfortunately, you weren't able to participate in it. But uh, had a very good chat with Luleo Forward, Brendan Shineman.
1: I'd like to say that I had a major part in it uh, with my questions and I also I have I've have already listened to it and it was really good such a insightful guy I'm, I'm really hoping that you will enjoy it you the listeners because I sure as hell did enjoy listening to it It was really good Dave
0: yeah yeah absolutely so we will get to that in just a few minutes but uh, let's do a quick recap of what has happened since our last episode I mean not a lot has happened as it was uh, we recorded on Monday and well, I forgot to release well, no, it until we'll Wednesday. But <laughs> uh, we, uh, we've, we've got lots of post moments, of course, uh, with COVID running rampant throughout the league. We only had three games on Tuesday, uh, three games last night, this morning being Friday, the 21st. But uh, let's start off with Tuesday's action. Lulio and the Lakers with uh, a bit of a nail biter. Really good game there between uh, two top teams in the league.
1: Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry. <clears throat> Terribly sorry about that. Yeah, Lulio kind of coming coming away with the win there. Uh, the Lakers, we're going to get into them, um, well, in a minute again, because they did play uh, Thursday as well. But the Lakers are pretty on and off right now. now Lulio, although they might not have played their best game, they're racking up the wins again and the points. And, I mean, even though you're not playing your best hockey and you're still winning, that's a very good sign, I think. And things are just – you know, they're chugging along a bit, like, you know, the, the 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 locomotive that is just gaining speed and it looks like who they are. so uh, good for them
0: yeah and um, I mean if you're looking at the uh, the score sheet from that game it almost looks like uh, some typos there because uh, <laughs> yeah. the first period the Lakers scored two goals both courtesy Rickard Rinya. The second period, Lulio scored two goals to tie it at two, both scored by Linus Omark. And so it almost looks like somebody just copy-pasted the goals. Uh, but uh, yeah. No, yeah, both uh, Richard Yinga and Linus Omark with a pair of goals uh, in the first Wait. for Yinga in the second for Omark. And then um, it was uh, a goal each in the third. The Lakers took the lead uh, with about 13 minutes elapsed. And then Yuhani Turvinen tied it back up about two minutes later to force the overtime frame. And it only took uh, Lulio 16 seconds to score the, uh, the game winner in overtime.
1: We should mention that Linus mark had the helpers on both the other goals, so he had a two plus two goals, two assist game, which is, I mean, a, a decent outing for him. I also want to mention Johan Tüvren, and I, I can't seem to stop talking about this guy. But he is—we're <laughs> not going to give away the entire Bränningshem interview here, but he—he he goes into uh, the the type of player he is, and and you know the agitator, the the grit, and all that, and. If there's one other player in the league currently with that that kind of uh, setup, it's Turbanen. I love watching him play. He's such a dickhead. He's such an ass, but he's oh, I would love to have him on my team any day of the week, man.
0: Well, he's uh, well, he plays that 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 rough style, that get under the skin of the other team kind of style of play that uh, Shineman yeah. is is known for as well. So uh, yeah, like you said, very comparable in uh, play style to Shineman and having a just, couple just- guys like that on your team definitely is uh, is fun for the fans.
1: We're not going to go on, on a long tangent here, but I just, would you agree? Because the way I differentiate between the two is that Chinaman is, you know, no, yeah, Tirvenen can do the talking as well. But Chinaman he can land a hit here and there. But Tir- Tirvinen, he, 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 I think it seems like he's landing a major hit pretty much every game. He, he destroys people.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, and I mean, he's, he's not a small guy either. He's five foot 1192 pounds, 181 centimeters, 87 kilograms. So, and he likes to throw his weight around, which, I mean, you don't see a lot of that uh, in the SHL. And I, I think maybe the reason that he's able to, you know, um, throw those big hits almost every game is I think he's catching people off guard and maybe surprising uh, other players that aren't, te- aren't really expecting hits like that. Maybe expecting him to kind of veer off and not finish his check. Like we do see a lot in this league, but uh, no, Turvinen. Turvainen finishes his checks. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, and uh, we've said this before, but the way they count hits in the league is you have to win the puck, right, or knock the player out of uh, yeah, away the, from the puck or something like the that.
0: The hit only counts is if you hit it and it forces a turnover. That's what counts yes. as a hit, which is a which. I mean, is we've talked weird. about it before. It's a really
1: weird yeah. way to calculate a hit, but uh, yeah. So, so just we're gonna go, go get back to the games, but I I find this interesting. Tyrvanian has 23 of those hits uh, in 22 games, uh, 20, 22 games played. <clears throat> Oscar Engsund, his teammate, has 70. Holy smokes, that's, are you serious? Yeah, and he's not even the most... He doesn't have the most... Uh, he's not uh, top in the league. I think that's Per Svensson still. Wow.
0: Well, there you yeah, go. Yeah, Per
1: Svensson has 105. That's insane. Yeah, he's 34... <laughs> Christoph Follin is second with 71. <laughs> wow. Jesus Christ. Okay, moving on. But I, I keep saying, I keep saying Per Svensson is a, such an underrated defenseman in this league. Moving on.
0: But uh yeah, moving on, uh, Malmo Lexan game. Um bit of a low-scoring game there, but Lexand coming away with the uh, the two-one <clears> victory. <throat> the only goal for Malmo actually coming in the very late stages of the third period, it was Carl uh, Soderbergh on the power play with the net empty. But uh, yeah. not, not enough Max- for Malmo to, to mount the comeback and uh, Lexan back uh, back on the, the win column.
1: Yeah, Max Verano hitting and notching his 20th goal of the season. Yeah. Uh, I think that was the game winner as yeah, well. Was. I'm not sure. Yeah, it was yeah. the
0: second goal of the game in the second period for uh, Lexan. So, uh, yeah, Verano becoming the first player to hit 20 goals on the season. That's always uh, a big milestone uh, on the season because, yeah. uh, I don't know, you see what, maybe maybe a handful half a dozen guys hit 20 goals on the season usually so. I was
1: about to say I don't know how, how common is that in the, in the league nowadays with uh in not terms of players. Not, e-
0: not extremely common but yeah, like so. I said you usually get a handful of guys hitting that mark every season so
1: yeah good for him I mean I would love to have him on the show Ooh, that would be such a cool interview I think he's a very talkative guy and I would love to you know get his insights on everything really uh so I'm we shouldn't maybe try to set that up to yeah, try and
0: track him down absolutely
1: yeah for, for sure yeah uh, but yeah good for Lexan. they needed that win badly
0: they Yeah, really did and then uh you with the big win over Lunda as uh, they came alive in the second period scoring three goals in the second uh which was enough to uh, give them the boost up and over frolunda for the win as uh, yes. Haleftio has been playing good lately i'm i've been pretty impressed with their play as of late um and they uh, yeah, didn't they that's didn't a big impress win.
1: me against lulio but after that they kind of found their groove again Um, uh, because lulio i think that was their first game back since a very long break due to covid i think it was a two week break or something for them so they didn't have their legs really and it showed uh, massively in terms of play it was re- uh, we talked about that uh, last episode i think but yeah they're finding their their stride now and they're looking solid they did beat uh timo as well with the same number so they're getting goals again
0: yeah, and uh, after last night's action, which we will get into maybe after the interview, should we throw it uh, yeah. to the interview first and then we'll uh, recap what happened last night?
1: Yeah, let's do that. Uh, and I, oof, I hope you guys enjoy it because, man, I sure as hell did.
0: Yeah, enjoy the interview. Okay, I'd like to welcome to the show today, former VECO Lakers forward and current Luleo forward, Brendan Shineman. Brendan, thank you very much for joining me today.
2: Uh, thanks. Thanks a lot for having me.
0: Uh, now I kind of want to go right back to the start, uh, start of your professional career. We'll start with your junior career. Um, I mean, you had some pretty good numbers in the WHL playing for, uh, the Tri-City Americans, um, especially in your last season there, you put up some great numbers, but, uh, that didn't really get you any looks from NHL teams. You went undrafted. So, uh, why do you think that is?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess you could go back to my, my draft year. Um, when I was 17, that was my first year uh, playing with Tri-Cities. And, um, I mean, I was just, I was always a small, a small player growing up. And, um, I I always played age advanced growing up, uh, through minor hockey and I was always, uh, at the top of my class for sure. Um, but then just, you know, taking that next step, uh, I, I didn't hit puberty until a lot later than a lot of other, a lot of other kids growing up. So I didn't have that, that kind of strength. And I was, I was very undersized and, um, So, you know, my first year playing was, was 17 and I I still hadn't matured yet, uh, physically. Um, so I was a guy that just had to battle every night to stay in the lineup and, um, you know, then went back as an 18 year old and had a really good year, um, and actually had some, had some NHL interest. I, uh, before the draft, actually, um, the Minnesota wild had called, um, the day before and let me know that they were going to most likely draft me in the sixth or seventh round. Um, and unfortunately, you know, during the draft things changed, players are available that they thought maybe weren't going to be available and they ended up taking other players. But, um, and then, and then at, uh, at, at, nine, so I ended up going to New York Ranger camp, um, that fall, uh, and was sent back to junior, um, my 19 year old year, again, I had a really good year and had a lot of interest from Arizona um, they, they also did the same thing and they called me the day before and said they were going to take me in the sixth or seventh and the same thing happened. So, I mean, it's, that's kind of disappointing as a young player, obviously you want to be drafted. That, that's such a, um, you know, it's such an honor to be drafted to the NHL. So, uh, that was disappointing, but I ended up going to Arizona's camp in the fall of that year and, um, ended up making a really big impact on them. Um, they sent me to the American league and uh so this would have been just before my overage year uh, as a junior and they sent me to the American League and uh, at the time they were maxed out of, of their 50 NHL contracts and they were trying to move some players around to open one up to sign me to an NHL deal so I was really excited about that um unfortunately they couldn't and they wanted to just sign me to an AHL deal and I decided after talking with my agent to to go back and play junior as a 20 overage and uh, I think that was the best decision I, I could have made because I ended up going back and winning CHL player of the year, top scorer in the CHL. And ultimately, uh, Arizona came back and offered me um, you know, a max signing contract uh, as a free agent. So uh, that ended up working out in the end for sure.
0: Yeah, you mentioned your uh, final city in the or final uh, season in the uh, WHL. Uh, just for our listeners, scored fifty-eight goals, seventy-six assists in sixty-nine games played, so one hundred and thirty-four total points. Pretty impressive stats. Uh, pretty impressive stats there. So that was a, a good <laughs> season for you, obviously.
2: Yeah, no, that was. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't really complain too much about that season. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny because uh, when I got sent back or when I decided to come back, um, I had a pretty slow start as a 20 year old, to be honest, um, throughout the first, I think month and a half or two months of the season, I was, I don't even know if I was a point a game. And, um, as a kid, you, you know, you start getting pretty disappointed. I remember my coach, Jim Hiller at the time called me in to, uh, to his office. And, you know, obviously I was, a, I was a captain on that team, uh, assistant captain and a leader. And, um, that was a huge part of the team and he called me and he said, you know, he's like, how how many points do you think you'll score this year or whatever? Um, and I said, uh, I, I said some outrageous number, like 30 or 40 because I was just so, so mentally uh, torn down and um, just hard, on, really hard on myself. And he's like, okay. And he's like, and it, he said, you know, if you, I still think if you score that amount of points, he's like, you'll, he's like, you'll still get a, an opportunity to play somewhere, whether it's uh, somewhere in the American League or, get, or still get an NHL contract. And uh, After that meeting, I, I, I went on to score 134. So um, it, was pretty, uh, it was pretty funny how things work. But I, um, yeah, it, was, it was a great year and uh, things worked out really well. And uh, we had a really good team and had a good chance to win that year as well. So um, uh, it was a great experience for sure.
0: Now, the next couple of seasons, of course, you spent in Portland uh, with Arizona's uh, AHL affiliate, but uh, 2014, 2015 rolls around uh, and you finally get the call up from the big league. Uh, what did that feel like? I mean, obviously that's a that's a dream every young hockey player has.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's um, like you said, I mean, it's you want to get called up right away and that's, you know, coming out a junior and playing my first year in Portland, um, you know, it's you just making that next step to pro and i thought i had a good year and there was opportunities where you you can get called up but um you know they don't happen and it's it's disappointing and um you know you work hard the next summer uh, to to start the next year well and so you know my first two seasons you know i i had to be pretty patient and and uh work work on myself mentally and you know try to stay positive all the time and then like you said that third year um I just just came in with the right mindset and um, the right dedication and um, had some great coaches and and training staff to work with there. And I finally got the call. I remember um, I was laying in my bed. It was was pretty late. I think it was like nine or 10 PM at night and uh, Arizona was playing and I saw, I think it was Martin Hansel went down um, as a centerman. He got hurt during the game and I, just had this feeling in the back of my head, I was playing so well in the American league at the time. And uh, I was leading our team in scoring and just playing a really good two way game. And I just had a feeling, I'm like, man, I, I think this is going to be it. And then sure enough, before the game even ended my, I got a call from my assistant coach or from my head coach in, in Portland uh, telling me that I'd be going up, uh, going up to Arizona early in the morning, uh, the next day to, to play the following day against Calgary. And I remember just like, just laying in my bed and like starting to tear up. And it's just, you know, that moment finally hitting you or, you know, your whole, your whole life you dreamed of, of going up to the NHL and playing there and all the hard work. Uh, it was a pretty surreal moment. And it's definitely a moment I'll never forget.
0: Now uh, being Canadian yourself, it must've been a little extra special being able to make your debut in, uh, in Calgary.
2: Yeah. Well, actually my, my first game was in Arizona against Calgary, um, oh,
0: okay my mistake and then
2: no but uh i mean yeah, it's it's cool to play a canadian team uh, for sure um just the it was nice my whole family was able to make it out to watch the game and um you know that's the whole day leading up to it uh it's just um something you can't really describe into words um and then finally getting to play that game uh it was, it was so special and uh, and, and a ton of fun. I enjoyed every minute of it, but, uh, I mean, I ended up my second game, like we played, uh, right after that game, we went on a two day road trip and we played Edmonton in Calgary and I, my second game was in Calgary. So nice. maybe that's where you got the confusion, but, uh, but yeah, um, those, uh, those first couple games for sure were, were just, uh, you know, a ton of excitement, a ton of adrenaline and, um, just, uh, brought a lot of happiness to me and my family. So it's great.
0: Now let's, uh, let's talk about your decision to move uh, across the Atlantic. That's uh, obviously a, a pretty big life decision, um, both for life and, and career in general. Um, so when did kind of, you know, the idea of European hockey start uh, kind of being a reality or, or something that you were interested in?
2: Yeah. So um, after my entry-level contract, I, ended up re-signing a one-year deal with Arizona, a two-way deal. And, um, and they had pretty high hopes of me, um, you know, playing around, you know, the 40 to 50 games in the NHL that, that year. Um, I got sent down after camp uh, late, like just kind of just before the the final roster. And they just told me to work hard in in the American league and that, you know, when there's an opportunity that I'd be coming up and, You know that's exactly what I did. We, we had moved from Portland to Springfield. Um, and you know, I had a really great start to the year and unfortunately six games in, uh, I got a really bad concussion, um, which held me out for, I think 54 games. So I almost missed that entire season. Um, which was a huge disappointment obviously because having so much success the year before and kind of a you know, establishing myself in the organization as a player that's you know, gonna you know be higher up in the depth charts and and be a almost the you know potential full time NHLer that following year. You know, that was it was just such a uh, it was really deflating to to kind of get that injury and miss that much time and um, so after that uh, after that season. Um, I didn't end up re-signing with Arizona, and I just kind of weighed my options. Talked to my agent. Um, we looked at maybe going to to Europe, just because um, obviously even back then, like the the American League was such a physical, such a physical league, and bit, tons of big guys. Where the European League was much more fast and not as much not as much contact. And just coming off a year, where I had a really bad head injury that we were thinking maybe that'd be a better option. Um, and I ended up uh, in free agency getting an offer from St. Louis, uh, a two way NHL offer from St. Louis. Um, but just after seeing, you know, the depth that the depth charts that they had, and maybe, you know, the opportunity of me being able to play up in St. Louis um, I weighed my options because I had an offer from uh long now in uh, Switzerland in the NLA and um, ended up taking that route and going over to Switzerland um, to kind of start my European European career, I had hopes of coming back to the NHL. Um, you know, if things went well, I just I think I I just wanted a year um, maybe away from the American League. But uh, I mean, you can't look back on decisions, and um, I think at the end of the day, I've had a great European career and have made a lot of money over here. So um, I think it's been a decision that uh, I'm pretty happy with.
0: Excellent. Now uh after like you mentioned uh, you started in Switzerland but I was a bit of a short stint there with the Tigers um and then mm-hmm. got uh got moved over to the KHL to Barys Astana in uh, Nur-Sultan Kazakhstan and of yeah. course when yeah. you think hockey Kazakhstan is certainly not a country that uh, pops into mind so uh, how, how was that experience as a whole both uh, on and off the
2: ice? Yeah, I mean, if if you said that to a lot of people they'd probably be like, you know, that's pretty weird, but uh it was it was great. I mean, they had uh they just had built a brand new arena, which was just absolutely beautiful. Um, You know, I'm from Winnipeg. So we actually had uh, uh, Nigel Dawes, uh, Dustin Boyd, Cam Barker. They were all there as well. Um, So that was kind of nice to go there and have that Winnipeg connection and made it pretty comfortable transition. Um, uh, And yeah, I had a ton of fun there. We had a really good team that year that we made the playoffs and we made it Passed the first round and into the second round. And that was the best, uh, the best year the the team had, uh, in their franchise in terms of how far they went. And so that was, uh, you know, pretty exciting year for, for the organization as well. Um, I mean, it's a little different in the KHL, but they ended up resigning there after the year. And unfortunately after that, they ended up kind of doing a clean sweep of the, uh, The coaching staff and and managers and stuff and uh my my contract hadn't gone through to the KHL yet so it ended up getting getting terminated and um they went a different route with going with more with more Kazakh guys and um so that was kind of uh I mean it would have been nice to go to go back there had a lot of fun there um but uh, it led me ultimately to signing with VEQUA and, and winning my first professional championship. So I can't really complain about that. Well, that
0: leads perfectly into my next question because, um, I mean, the team that year, that, that was really, that was something special. That was actually my first, uh, first year um, calling games in the league as well. So, you know, being from Vancouver as well, being able to see, uh, you know, Pedersen play uh, and being able to call games like that, it was uh, a lot of fun for me. I can't even imagine what that experience was like for you. So just kind of take us through that season.
2: Yeah, I actually, um, just with getting my, this, this contract with, with, um, I mean, it was a a stand at the time after kind of getting that contract figured out and finding out that that wasn't going to go through, I ended up coming to Vecqua, I think in October. Um, so I wasn't here for the start of the season and, uh, yeah, I got a call call from them and I, I kind of looked them up and you know saw that they had they've had some recent success and ever since coming up to the SHL they've been almost a top team so um I heard a lot of good things about the organization um I heard a lot of good things about Henrik and Sam and um you know all the coaching staff and management there and so I decided I thought it'd be a great great opportunity to go in there and um we kind of I mean I knew right from when we got through that we had a pretty a pretty good team I think at that time because I, I remember the first uh, <clears throat> the first couple games I was there like my my visas and stuff hadn't gone through yet so I wasn't able to play yet and I was sitting up in the press box watching the games and I had Joel Purse on and uh Elias Petterson sitting with me and they were the healthy scratches and um and I could just see how good our team was and that was before I think anyone really knew how good those two players were even going to be. And, uh, you know, as the year went on and all the pieces started to fall together, um, obviously, uh, Patterson turned into an MVP player and same with, uh, Joel person, um, coming from, I think division one to being a top scoring defenseman that year in the league. Um, we ended up, uh, adding Noah Welsh, um, later on as well. Andy Neely ended up coming at the deadline. Um, and we ended up getting, uh, Rasmussen as well. Um, so all these pieces just start to fall into place and they ended up just falling perfectly. And I think, uh, you look back on that team and it was, uh, probably one of the best teams from what I've heard, um, from talks around the SHL that that was one of the best teams to ever be kind of assembled in the SHL. Um, so that's pretty special to be a part of of a group like that. And um, I just think that we had no doubt in our minds, you know, I think a month before the playoffs that we weren't going to lose. Um, we we just had that, that feeling that we were going to win and nothing was going to stop us. And I think we uh, lost one game in the playoffs, I think against Breenas game two. And ever since then, we, ever since that game, we, we, we won out. So um, it was really special group to be a part of um we had an outstanding team of an outstanding goal attending with with victor fast and and Andrin. Um, both of them were unbelievable so um i mean it's as a professional hockey player we don't realize how rare it is to win a, win a championship it doesn't matter what league you're in it's so hard to win a professional championship and um you know that's that's my one and only one so far so um, that's one that sits, uh, has a special place in my
0: heart for sure. Now that team, of course, also had a bit of a unique piece in the SHL in uh, Liam Reddicks being the only Canadian captain in the league at the time. And I mm-hmm. believe he's the only Canadian captain since then as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so having, you know, uh, an older guy like that, a Canadian guy, um, coming into the team was it, it did make your, your transition a little easier having somebody like that, that, you know, can coach you through mentor you through the league and all the kind of differences in the game.
2: Yeah, for sure. And especially a guy like him who, um, you know, he, he had a, a pretty, pretty good NHL career as well. I played uh, a good number of games and, and coming over, he was kind of a, you know, similar player like me when he came over, just a guy who, who competed really hard, had a lot of speed, could score goals. And, um, so when I came there, yeah, it was, it made it really easy to to transition having him as a captain. Um, he was an amazing leader, um, and to help me kind of through the, the first months there um, in all, in all aspects. And it was kind of nice to in Beckwood, um, you know, everything was done in English because we did have uh, a lot of import, import players. So um, it kind of felt like an American hockey league team where, um, you know, coming over from, uh, from North America, you know, my first, like in Switzerland, there was a lot of, a lot of Swiss and obviously in and in uh, North um, and it was, it was all Russian. So um, it was nice to kind of have that English back. And, um, you know, Liam helped me transition into that team uh, really well and made me feel really comfortable.
0: Now, of course, uh, you, you spent the next two seasons with Echo as well. Um, you know, off the ice, out of the <coughs> arena, obviously you enjoyed the city um, and the people there. Uh, what was it about the city in particular that made you want to, you know, uh, stay for those additional seasons?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, a big part of me wanted to stay was just the the people in involved in the organization. Like I said, uh, you know, Henrik was a was an amazing GM. Um, we had a great coaching staff, great uh, great trainers, great equipment guys, and, and my teammates. I mean, they were they were awesome guys, and even the front office people, media media people. Like it was it was ran. The, like a top notch organization, so that's something that really attracted me to go back um in terms of the city it was a it's a great city it's not huge it's but it's a nice size where you can you know go out and enjoy yourself uh get some good food uh have some good fica and um I met a lot of a lot of amazing fans there as well um outside even outside of hockey you know it was uh I made a lot of good friends there and you know, that's just kind of what a big part of what made me want to stay there and, and just still be a part of not only that team, but a, a part of that city for sure.
0: Now, uh, March, 2020 rolls around playoffs get canceled. COVID's running rampant, of course. Uh, what what was going through your mind as far as uh, you know, your future in Sweden and the SHL at that point?
2: <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it just came to, I mean, it came to a point, obviously it would have been nice to be able to play that playoffs. Um, and ultimately after talking with with my agent and my family um we just thought maybe it was best to to move on and try something else and um i don't know if that was the right decision or not it's, like i said you can't go back and, and change those things but i had an opportunity to go to Mannheim in germany um which i heard a lot of really good things about and um yeah i ended up i mean that that next year was kind of a different year, like you said, with the COVID, um, kind of, I mean, Sweden was probably one of the only leagues that was able to basically play it out and you nearly know, not really take a lot of pay cuts in, in turn in, in, general compared to some of the other leagues, but, um, it was kind of a different year, but it had a, you know, like I said, I had an opportunity to go to Mannheim and, um, I heard a lot of really great things and, uh, they have a profession, very professional run organization there as well. Um, Axel Oliver is actually Swedish GM there, Um, so he watched me throughout all my years in Sweden and and really wanted me to come over there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I had a ton of fun there. It was a bit different with no fans and kind of being in a bubble all year. Um, But uh, we had a great team in in Mannheim, and uh, we finished first place, and it's unfortunate the, you know, with playoffs, we have, you know, you have best of threes, so You know, if you lose one game in a best of three, there's a ton of pressure, and it's it's just a different kind of dynamic as opposed to best of seven, where you know you can't afford to to really lose a game in a best of three. So um, we ended up losing the semifinal, and uh, but uh, again, we had great great people on that team, great players, and it was a great experience for me. And uh, Germany as a whole was a great experience, and it's a great league.
0: Now uh your style of game is a good mix kind of between the rough and tumble enforcer kind of archetype, but you've also got you know the the scoring touch, the soft hands, and obviously some fans around the league have a bit of a negative perception about you you know you you like to get under the uh the opposition skin and stuff like that is is that always kind of how you played
2: the game yeah, for sure i mean uh you know in north america that's that's nothing new i mean that's you see that in almost every player now and or especially when I was playing almost every player where you, especially for me as being a smaller player, you had to be able to take, to stand up for yourself and, and find ways to, you know, to get under a guy's skin and, and draw penalties and that kind of stuff. And um, so that's just kind of something I, I always had. I was I'm, I'm one of the most competitive people, not only a player, but people that you'll ever meet. So um, I always wanted to be the best growing up, even though I was undersized and under strength. I just, I was so competitive that, 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 that competitive edge just kind of drove me, um, to do what it takes to, to get, you know, to get to the top and and to win. So, um, yeah, I definitely, I've had that my whole life, my whole career. Um, and that's ultimately one of the biggest reasons that, uh, you know, the NHL interest I did have, you know, they love that the most about me was my competitiveness, um, and my compete set, um. know that's why arizona wanted me they obviously they knew i could score goals and make plays and i had a lot of speed but the the thing they loved the most is that i competed every shift uh got under the opponent's skin and um just just did whatever it took to to find ways to win so um i don't know if that maybe those types of players uh aren't in sweden or weren't in sweden at the uh, in the past so coming here i think might have been a bit of a culture shock to to a lot of the Swedes of, of you know what they were used to seeing in a player, so um, I can see how maybe they uh, you know it might upset some of them or they might not. It's not the typical player that they see, but uh, um, I think that was also a big reason why. Uh, well, I know that was a big reason why they wanted me because um, they had watched me play uh, in the playoffs in when I was in there, Sultan, and they just said, like, this guy just does whatever it takes. Like, he just, whatever it takes to get to the net, to find loose pucks, battle, and, and he's an agitator. So um, that's one, like, every team I've been on, that's what, that's what attracts them the most. Um, sometimes fans don't understand that aspect of the game, but it's definitely a part of hockey. And um, if they knew that, maybe they'd look at me a little bit differently.
0: <laughs> now uh there was uh, a fairly publicized incident where you made uh, I guess a less than friendly gesture towards the Luleo fans during your time with the Lakers um so so given your history with those fans in particular what was uh what was the reception like when you uh when you did arrive in Luleo to play for you know the team and the fans who probably had uh, a less than positive opinion of you at the at that point
2: yeah I mean I think uh obviously there's emotions in hockey and that's what makes it so fun and that's what makes it so exciting and um sometimes the emotions go over the top and for me um they did and I think I think that incident made the this whole experience uh that much better for me um you know coming here and signing signing I mean I always as much as I hated playing against Lulia um I had so much respect for them because of, you know, the way they played and how hard they worked and the speed they played, but they just it was just something every time you played them it was a really fun game, a really tough, hard game, but a lot of fun and especially playing up up in Lubia. Um, obviously with the fans, like the fans would always be chanting against me and, and the whole game. So um that I made mean, a pretty cool atmosphere. Um and I knew when I got the opportunity to come here, um I mean they can't deny you know, my work ethic and dedication to my team. And I knew that was something that they would embrace with having me come up to Lulia. And to be quite frank, um, right from when I signed, I've had, um, you know, very, very accepting from the fans, um, tons of messages right when I signed from fans saying how excited they were to have me here and um, how happy they were to have me on their team and that I fit their, I fit their uh, their style of play perfectly. So um, obviously, there's still some fans that uh, that still remember that stuff and maybe can't get past it and look at me differently. But uh, I think even some of those ones that have got to know me and and see me play and how I play for them and how hard I compete for for this team every night, um, they've started to change their minds as well. And hopefully, I can continue to change some of the others as uh, as we go along here.
0: Now, sticking with Lulio, obviously you guys are having a pretty good season sticking uh, s- sitting at the top of the standings right now. But uh, just like last season, you know, um, with the new COVID outbreaks and stuff, we're seeing good <clears throat> postponements. Um, is that kind of, uh, you know, unexpectedness day-to-day a little bit ad- uh, of added stress for you guys, um, given your position at the, at the top of the leaderboard right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, health number one. Um, it's the most important thing. But at the same time, I, th- I think there needs to be uh, there needs to be something put in place. I think with the SHL, um, some sort of guidelines in a sense where I think proper testing. If there is cases in a team, I think proper testing needs to be done. Proper documentation and that needs to be submitted to the league. Um, and I think there also needs to be a set number of uh, of players healthy um, in your roster that and that you know forces you to play i don't think you can have one case or two cases and just have the doctor from that team say oh we can't play and then cancel games because i mean like i said health's number one but at the same time now that forces other teams or forces the league to have to reschedule games in a short amount of time and when teams are playing say three games in four nights or you know back to backs, it's there's higher risk of injury for the players and stuff like that. So it's kind of a you gonna kinda have to find that balance. Um so yeah, I mean it's tough. It's tough coming to the rink every day and not knowing if you're gonna play the next game. Um because the other team has one or two guys are COVID. So um but like I said, we're I'm sure they're trying to do the best they can to to navigate through that. Um and yeah, I mean, we have a great team. We have a great team this year. Um, I think it's very similar. Like in, for, for my experience, it's very similar to a team that we had in VECWA the year I won. Um, just we have guys that fit the fit the puzzle perfectly. Um, we got all different kinds of players, and each guy brings brings something different. And then, um, yeah, I think we have a I think we have a great chance to win this year. I think that's, that's something that uh, that's number one in everyone's mind is to win a championship. And we still got a lot of, a lot of games left and a lot of season to go, but uh, you know, I think we have a lot of confidence in our group and and it's something that uh, we're really excited for. Now let's get off the
0: ice. I've spent plenty of time around athletes from all different kinds of sports, but I got to say, I think hockey players are some of the most superstitious bunch of people. uh, When it comes to pregame rituals and things like that, 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 you know, I've ever experienced. Uh, Is there anything you do in particular for your pregame, you know, a routine that cannot be broken?
2: I mean, I've, I used to be very, very superstitious, like, um, up until probably last year, a couple of years ago, like I had the exact same starting from, you know, the meal the night before I had the exact same meal, went woke up in the morning, did the exact same things. And throughout game day, uh, ate the same things, did the same pregame warmups, blah, blah, blah. So I was a very, very, uh, super superstitious guy and, and you hit it on the head. Um, I think players just get into those routines and, um, it's just something that they think if they don't do something the same, that they're not going to be able to play the same that night. So, I mean, I played with guys that uh, have things down to the time, like they have a watch and they have to do everything at the exact time uh, during their kind of pregame up at the rink. So, um, but I've kind of started to get a little bit looser on that the last couple of years. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I just started to, you know, cause sometimes it brings a little bit of stress too, and you're too superstitious. Um, and I think it's just kind of allowed me to have a little bit more fun and loose before the games and uh, just enjoy my teammates and, and maybe just have a few laughs about stuff. That's not about hockey uh, leading up to the game, just to kind of clear the mind. And then kind of when you start, uh, you know, about to get ready for a warmup, uh, putting on your gears, when you kind of can start dialing in and focusing in and and then have it lead all the way up until the puck drop, and I think it's something that's working for me.
0: So, what was the dinner for the uh, the night before meal?
2: <laughs> uh, it's definitely a chicken and pasta.
0: Um, Any kind of I'll, alteration on the on the that combination, basically?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I would kind of I would maybe do like just a regular chicken with like a red sauce for the pasta, and if I had a good game the next day i'd continue with that and if i had a bad game i would maybe change the change the sauce or change the way (laughs) i made the chicken so um yeah i mean like you said hockey players are weird and they have all their (laughs) superstitions so (laughs) yeah
0: fair enough um well just kind of getting to know you as a person obviously uh your hockey or your life is you know 24 7 hockey during the regular season but Mm -hmm. uh you know come that final buzzer on the season what do you like to do off the ice do you have any hobbies
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously um, I think a lot of hockey players play golf and that's something I love to do as well. Um, I have a golf membership back home in Canada. Um, What's your handicap? (laughs) I mean, I'm not great. Uh, It's probably, I don't know, maybe 10. 10, It's not not too uh, bad. No, it's not too bad, but it's not, it's not great either. So I always um, think if I play bogey
0: golf, then it was a good day on the course. Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) I try to strive for, for bogey golf. Maybe it's more 13 to be honest. Um, Last year I didn't get to play as much just with with COVID. There were some restrictions on, got how many people could be on the course and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't get to play as much last year. But uh, <clears throat> definitely golf. Um, I'm kind of a bit of a nerd. I like to play board games, um, that kind of stuff. So um, me and my me and my friends have some game nights. Um, and yeah, just I like to hang out, go to patios uh, around the city when when it's not COVID times and enjoy the weather and, you know, have a drink or two and, you know, just enjoy some good company, some good laughs. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty, uh, I'm a pretty chill guy and I'm, I'm actually good with doing Anything like I, anytime someone wants to do something, uh, it's something that I'll, I'll try, I'll go out and do and and enjoy the experience.
0: Excellent. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for (laughs) joining me today on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Uh, good luck with the rest of the season and, uh, well, fingers crossed that you guys have a, a deep run in the playoffs as well.
2: Hey, thanks a lot. I, I really appreciate the, you having me. It was a great, uh, a great talk. So, uh, thanks a lot. Thanks. Thanks.
0: Okay, once again, want to give a big thanks to Luleo forward Brendan Shineman for joining me. It was uh, great chatting with him and uh, 610. It was actually funny after the interview had concluded, you heard him mention um, like he likes to play board games and we actually had a pretty good chat about uh, board games. Cause um, my, my, uh, my sister and her boyfriend plays a lot of board games. And so when I was home in Canada, we played a uh, quite a bit. And so me and him had a, a kind of a, a chat about the board games as well. So it's uh yeah, it was really nice chatting with him, and uh, yeah, really, really in-depth answers that like, I didn't even have to ask some of the questions that I had prepared because he kind of touched on them during the answers uh, to other questions.
1: It was more of him like telling a story from time to time, and I really enjoy that as uh, a, a lot. Uh, my favorite part was obviously uh, his relationship with the Lulio fans uh, after everything <laughs> that kind of went down. But but yeah, it's uh, and also very insightful about you know, like you and I we, we talked about off off the recording but with uh, with the concussion and uh, the, how that kind of, if not entirely, but played a major part of him not you know, getting a fair chance or fair opportunity in the NHL and how he kind of, how he's moved on, basically. It's uh, it's quite impressive.
0: Well, one thing that kind of really s- struck me um, that I was impressed by was the fact that after he suffered that concussion, he, you know, he had mentioned both him and his agent uh, started looking at, uh, you know, European leagues because they are less rough and it would possibly, probably be uh, beneficial to his health to, you know, get away from uh, the, the, the rough North American style of hockey, which I think is, uh, you know, for a young hockey player, Coming into his prime, looking to you know solidify his place in the NHL, I think that's a it's a very mature decision for for such a you know for a young hockey player like uh, like he was in that situation.
1: Definitely, definitely. Yeah, well, it a good interview. We'll uh, we're hoping to have. Actually, we might line up one or two next week as well, and uh, we might spread them out, but we'll see. Uh, some really cool cool uh, guests on, on the horizon here. Actually, one of them, I, I'm not going to give away any names, but one of them I texted with uh, yesterday or something, and he was very apologetic because he was like, yeah, I lost my phone for like two weeks. Have, have you tried reaching me? I haven't been able to you know, reply to anyone and stuff like that. I was like, no. I've had, you know, I've got kids, so they've been messing with my life. And uh, he was like, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, but we'll we'll get connected. No worries, we'll we'll sort it out. I'm very super excited. So, I think that will be one humdinger of an interview. I'm really looking forward to have him on, and uh, we'll talk a lot about scoring for different teams and stuff like that. It's going to be really cool. Yeah. Speaking yeah, of scoring, we- before we just move on, I'm just looking into the you know players with at least 20 goals in the past seasons and just going through the seasons since I'm at the 2012-13 season there it was three ga- sorry three players with 20 plus goals uh then we had uh this is good radio but uh about yeah nine actually wow. and 13-14 t- and then we had so it's a, it's a great uh, variation because we, now we have, in 14-15 there were seven uh sorry eight and then, because there's one season, there were only two, I think. So Wow. So it really depends uh, season to five. season. Like, yeah. There's yeah, a lot five. of
0: diversity of uh, who, really, who reaches it really
1: that 20-goal mark. And I don't know why that is. I mean, in 16, 17, there were four. So I don't know. Uh, I can't really tell. I think it has to do with the individuals playing in the league, obviously. But, you know, the setup of the teams. Then there were seven. Then there were two. So... Because in 1819, there were two, Joachim Nygaard and Emil in uh, 1920, obviously being a shortened season, basically. So there were two as well. I'm not really counting that. And last season we had uh,
0: six. Yeah. And um, just so, looking at the statistics for this season, it definitely looks like we'll probably have, well, I mean... Adam Tambellini, I have no doubt, will get there. Patrick Carlquist will probably get there. But then you got Ty Ratty, Robin Kovacs, and Richard Yinger, wall with 15 goals. Um, so another five goals over whatever you have, 20-something games, is um, not, doable, of course, un- unattainable, but it's not guaranteed.
1: No, because, I mean, Jenga, I think he had a bit, He's going through some dry spells from time to time now. He, he was more consistent in goal scoring uh, earlier in the season. Just looking at his game logs, he had... Yeah, he scored... Twice against, uh, I'm sorry, twice against Luleå. And then he had another one, which we'll get into uh, against Lexan yesterday. But before that, he had, you know, four games without a goal. Then it was a goal. Then there were one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, he had a, whoa, eight game scoreless streak. So it really depends. And with the way some of the teams, you know, are roller coasting, so to speak, in terms of the play. We'll see.
0: Yeah. But, um, but yeah. On let's... the other
1: hand, I mean, we can see, we can get someone you know someone like I don't know, Linus Carlson or Ricard Hug oh, up in Hjeltejo who, who are really hot right now, and I can see them scoring, you know, seven, six, seven goals in twenty games.
0: No yeah, problem. Absolutely. So, um, and speaking of Ricard Hug, he had a pair of goals last night in uh, Haleftio's big five-two win over Timro. Um, and yeah, it was kind of just about the halfway period or halfway mark of the second period. Uh, Halefti just took over the game, scored a pair of goals in the last half of the, uh, last half of the second, scored a pair of goals in the third and came away with the big five to win. Uh, like I said, Rick and Hug, with those, uh, two goals in the second period for Haleftu.
1: you. want to hear something funny about him? Hmm. He uh, prior to the game, he had four. No, he, yeah, he scored, he scored the first goal, uh, four times. Uh, in in a game this season and he had also had four game winners the only other player heading into yesterday's uh, action with more game winners than him was oscar muller and yesterday ricard hug had his fifth game winner of the season wow there you go that's in, it, not, not in golf that's in the league so yeah. actually that's pretty cool
0: that is yeah but uh, yeah, Tim obviously uh, not doing too great right now, so not a great result for them against Halefti last night. Uh, not exactly unexpected results, but uh, obviously they were hoping for something better. She also mentioned that win for Halefti puts them in first overall in the standings. They are tied in points with Luleå. Um, They have uh, 62 points each. However, uh, Halefti has the goals for and against advantage. They've got a plus 33 goals for and against, and lulio has got a plus 29. And just to demonstrate how dominant those two teams have been on offense, plus 33, plus 29. Rogla, who sits third overall, and for Lunda as well, actually uh, have a plus 15. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: <laughs> how so those
0: those, those two teams are just are just outscoring other teams like crazy right now.
1: Dude, I'm looking at Ricard Hoog here. I just want to pause on him for a while. Uh, so... He's having a breakout season, obviously, With uh, he's got 24 points in 32 games, which is by far, he's already eclipsed his personal best of 17 in a season uh, from last season. What I did not know was was that he spent two seasons with the Kitchener Rangers in the OHL back in 17, 18 and 18, 19, uh, where he had made one hell of a progress. In his first season with the Rangers, he had uh, 32 points in 66 games. Then in the second season, he had 73 points in 62 games. Uh, I wonder. and, And he actually wore the C that season. That's really cool. So, and then he moved back to Kolefteo, where he had 13 points in his first season. Obviously, the lockout shorter one, uh, and last season he had, he had 17. Prior to that, he pl- played with Lexand, only 11 games in the FHL scoring uh, had one assist. And that's, the interesting part here is that he's only 23 years old. I mean, th- th- and he's undrafted. Oh yeah,
0: he's he's still got uh, you know next Jesus. five seasons. He's got his his you know NHL window coming up basically, and yeah. like you said, he's undrafted. He is a free agent and. I wouldn't doubt that after this season, you know, having a career season like you mentioned, I wouldn't doubt uh, he gets some looks from uh, from teams on uh, from the in the NHL for sure.
1: Definitely. Just looking at that Kitchener Ranger team where he had uh wore the i I'm not seeing any oh, the only I'm not Donovan Sabrango is the only one that kind of stands out to me. Michael Vukovic and would I might mis mispronounce that and that Kitchener team only have uh, five players drafted as of yet, so none. Oh, none of their top scorers, uh, top two scorers, are, are drafted. That's weird. How about it's, that?
0: It's it's interesting that Hook wasn't drafted either because uh, he was actually one of the assistants on the the Sweden's uh, World Junior team yeah, back that's in true. 2018 2019 and uh, had a pretty good showing with them uh, in the World Junior. So it's it, it is definitely weird that you know. He didn't get, and he's obviously he's passed his draft window now that he's 23. But uh, yeah, it is a bit yeah. odd that uh, you know even as a you know a late round pick that he didn't get
1: picked up. Well, to be fair with with the, the just getting back to the Kitchen Rangers here, the the two top scorers, Greg Mireles and Joseph Garreffa. Hmm? both have AHL deals AHL deals right now they're playing for the Manitoba Moose and uh the San Jose Barracuda respectively so they're they've moved up moved up in in the world but they're now they've got no NHL contracts which is uh, peculiar i, I got to say yeah but then again i mean the OHL is i don't know how many players play in the OHL and uh, how many players never make it to the show so i don't know But uh, maybe shouldn't read too much into it. Moving on.
0: Moving on. Lexand and the Lakers with an absolute blowout for Lexand, and I don't know who was doing the highlights for this game 6-10, but I feel bad for them
1: because yeah, I
0: mean the first period, okay, you get three goals. Lakers open it up with uh, about two and a half minutes elapsed, and then Lexand strikes twice to make it two to one heading into the second. But I'm going to list off the second period goals. Carter Camper started it at a minute thirteen. Max Farineau made it 4-1 for Lexand at 345. Niels Oman made it 5-1 for Lexand at 521. Richard Ying, R- Richard Yingett uh, came back and uh, brought Lakers back within three at the 1431 mark. But Michael Rahama made it uh, 6-2 for, the Le- for Lexand at the 1546 mark. And then Tobias Reeder for the Lakers brought it back within three at the 1727 mark. We had six goals. In the second period an absolutely wild frame in lexan
1: yeah it was a bit of a shootout uh just want to mention that this was the first start of Janis Kalnins since november 30th and he got uh subbed after that fourth goal Ouch. so uh, not a good outing for him and adam oman came he came in i don't know how many shots he faced but he let in another three i haven't checked the highlights but yeah, Lexan I'm uh, Sorry, uh, Vekua, they're struggling a bit right now. Uh, yeah, obviously. and... Uh, uh, yes. So I just want to mention that uh, Kaldins had uh, 14 saves in 18 shots and then uh, Oman had 16 saves in 19 shots. That that was a
0: big game too, uh, as far as standings are concerned, because that actually leapfrogged Lexand over Vecco. They have the same amount of points, but Lexand took uh, possession of the sixth overall spot in the league with a uh, with their uh, advantage in the goals for and against category. Which this game obviously helped them with. Um, so so that was like mul- multiple statistics in that game contributed to uh, to Lexand taking over uh, that sixth uh, that sixth and final uh, uh, semi final or quarter final playoff birth spot. So. That was a big. Uh, win did for you Lexan. say
1: I? am sorry. Did you, did you mention that Lexan has a game in hand as well?
0: Yeah, they do. I hadn't mentioned that, but yeah. Oh, yeah, they've got a game in hand. And uh, she also mentioned Max Verano got his 21st goal of the season last That's night. That's
1: true. That's true.
0: So uh, yeah, what he's, a fireman, uh, Jesus. Yeah, he's kind of uh, picking back up. As is Lexan, who were on a bit of a, a bit of a, a cold streak in the uh, coming into the new year. So. Uh, they're heating back up, and uh, that's got to feel good for them. And then, uh, arguably, the most exciting game of uh, the evening last night: Lin and for Lunda with uh, yeah, an absolute nail biter right down to the last few minutes. Um, I mean, uh, actually,
1: down right down to the last few seconds, to be honest.
0: Yeah, because um, second period saw Lin open the score. George Weggelt, um with the. Did the you see the goal? goal. No, I didn't actually. What
1: a pass from Jonas Jundon! It, it was uh, they played it around, uh, not on the cycle play, but they established play and then just played it around. And Jundon with a pretty much a, a shot pass, if you will, shooting his pass towards the far post, and where just touched it in. It was really beauty of a beauty of a goal. Uh, good, good, nice play from Linchopping, I gotta say.
0: Yeah, and then with just over. Two minutes remaining in the third period. Elmer Soderblom uh, from Ryan Lash was able to tie the game at one. And obviously, you know, when a goal like that, a tying goal happens with just a couple minutes left in the third period, you figure, okay, we're getting an overtime game, maybe a shootout. But Lynn Choping had different plans, it was Robert Lantosi, Vilmos Gallo, uh, and then connecting with Ben Maxwell, who buried the game winner with thir- or with uh, 39 seconds remaining in the third period to give Lin Chopin a very important three points
1: yeah and I, I, th- I think we touched on did we maybe I can't even remember Jesus time is a flat circle but um, I think over the past six, seven, eight, maybe even nine games, it looks like lean shopping you know their, their their foundation of play if you will. It's, they, they do rely on it their own, themselves a bit more they just don't they don't ring it down the boards and hope for the best and it shows I mean in the past five games, Four teams has four wins and one loss, and Linchuping is they're one of them. And It's Linchuping, Lulio, Kaleftio, and Ferstad who's got uh, four four wins in their past five. And I mean, they're making well, and, uh, a statement uh, in the in the standing as well.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but they've got five of their last six as well, and that one loss against no. Robot. But they got five out
1: of the last no four out of out of the last six according to the oh, stats page okay. here.
0: But um, of those four out of those last five, they have gotten points in all five of those games because they did then uh, took Rogla to overtime, uh, where Rogla beat them in overtime. So That's they've true. claimed points in in all five all five of those games, and yeah. um, it has definitely helped them in the standings. They're now uh, ninth overall with forty nine points, uh, three ahead of tenth place Barinas, um, and. Uh, the the big thing here or, uh 6n is they're actually starting to put some distance between themselves and the 11th and 12th place teams I mean they're they're more yes. they're 11 points ahead of Malmo in 12th they're now four points ahead of Arebro in 11th three points ahead of Brinus in 10th and uh, well all of those teams do have games in hand against Linchoping, but um Jumping is doing exactly what you need to do when other teams yeah. have games in hand, they're, they're winning the games, they're, they're getting yeah. points. So,
1: to, to um, pe- kind of piggyback on that, just to, if, I, if I may, like you said, uh, they both, uh, well, Brina's are they've got one game in hand, so they can just tie in terms of points. Uh, both Malma and uh, Erbru could possibly eclipse, no, not not Malma, no, no, not Malma, they Elmo. can't eclipse, no. But Breen, uh, sorry, Erbro can uh, eclipse with, because they got three games in hand and just they're just four points behind. But I think where Lane Shopping is right now, yeah, they you know they should be looking to kind of play well, end up in the play-in scenario here, seventh, seventh through tenth. But given what what they've gone through in the past, God, I don't know, uh, six, seven seasons here, they really just don't want to play you know the regulation hockey here and looking at the standings Jurgen and our have five games in hand and if they would win all those five games they would still be two points behind linchpin and uh, brinas have four games in hand and should they win they're still six points behind linchpin so that's the first step you know to kind of put some distance between the, themselves and that relegation battle which is really important right now of course you'd like to avoid no man's land because in terms of financials you know you even though you might just get Two or 3,000 people in the stands for, due to COVID. That's a massive difference in terms of, you know, getting two more games at home with, with all that's happening right now. That would be really important for the club financials heading into the off season, maybe getting, I don't know, another prospect or another, you know, something else to kind of build off. And yeah, Linköping are doing everything they can to, to, to prosper
0: really. Yeah. And the 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 crazy thing is, is Lynchoping is actually only three points out of the top six. Yeah. Um, as Lexen's got 52 points, they only five points behind Farriestad in fifth. So, like that gives you an idea of just how close this middle of the pack all the way down to 10th place from 10th to 5th is just such a tight race right now. So um yeah. it's uh it's gonna be really interesting. I mean, if if Chopin can keep up this hot streak and continue playing as well as that we've seen them playing, I mean they could very realistically finish in the top six for uh, the first time since I've been here I, I mean yeah so it, it would I mean you know it's not a guarantee obviously it's it's going to be a hard hard uh, hard run for them down to the, the the final few games of the season but it's uh it's not an impossibility right now and Lynch Linköping has got to be feeling pretty pretty confident and uh pretty uh pretty good about themselves.
1: Yeah, I don't think they will win four out of their five games for the rest of the season. But looking at their schedule, <laughs> fingers crossed and all that, blah, blah, blah. They've got Lulio. They're facing Lulio Saturday. Actually, that's an away game. Bit of a difficult outing. Then they got Timro away on Monday. This is before any COVID changes, which could occur pretty much whenever. So Timro, that should be actually, that, that must be three uh, another three points. If then all was to plan, they would... Yeah, and uh, Malmo they had their game postponed Tuesday, so we'll see about that one for next Thursday. Then they've got Hjeltejo uh, the next uh, on the 29th, and they they, they do play back to back because then they go to Lexan on the 30th, and they play Tuesday again on the first. So they got three games in four days there. Uh, Teamro again at home. So if they're coming down uh, down the stretch here, there there'll be a lot of games in a very short amount of time. So getting that cushion to you know between themselves and, and the bottom feeder teams that's what they need to do and yeah you i won't expect them to win at least i i would hope if they can get you know a point or two maybe or even three against lulio it's not a, a guarantee but they must win against timor they must win against malmo they preferably they should beat lexander as well uh but you know things are the way they are
0: yeah so <clears> it's uh it'll definitely be an interesting finish to the season for uh well, for all the teams in the middle of the pack, there because obviously they're they're all going to be battling for a top six spot. Um, but uh, yeah, so and uh, and like, it goes so- to
1: show the way the way uh, what what a hot streak of four games can make it what what a difference difference it can make for for an entire season, really. Because Linchup are like you said probably feeling very good about themselves right now, whereas uh, other teams should be a bit worried. So. <laughs> Yeah,
0: exactly. And and like Sixten said, we we do have postponements and stuff like that. Um, just just make sure, go on to shl.se basically every morning. Um, <laughs> and they they'll they publish the, the postponements as soon as they, they get announced by the league. So just uh, if you do want to keep up, everything is changing day to day, even hour to hour at this point. So
1: Yeah, and there was uh, Tuesday, uh, I was about to work and uh, there was a late postponement, very late. So it got postponed 45 minutes prior to puck. Pact- drop between Ferris dot and and Oscar salmon and it shouldn't really be that late and I think they're in kind of looking into that what happened in terms of communication and testing and all that and I think not pointing any fingers but but uh, I think it was on the Ferris side uh, I'm not sure but well yeah we'll but yeah see. just uh, just keep an eye on that, the website for, uh,
0: for any updates
1: uh, before we kind of wrap things up here there's one thing that kind of stands out to me when I look at the standings here and that's that Four teams have let in, uh, uh, sorry, allowed a hundred plus goals, and one of them being Fairstart in fifth. Yeah, that's interesting, actually. And they actually, they're actually at a minus two. I, um, that's weird, but they, I, I think it's, uh, I think that's uh, the result of a, their really poor start. I think they had some not blowouts, but yeah, big losses in early on. And well, I mean, yeah, you you, you, you look at the point.
0: other teams that have allowed. Uh hundred goals. Malmul's a minus nineteen. Timber's a minus thirty-five, and your a minus forty-one. Farri's dad's yeah. just a minus two. So they're letting in a lot of goals, but they're also scoring a lot of goals, I believe. Actually, they have uh the fourth, yeah, fourth most goals on the season.
1: Yeah. And they're making up for, you know, their allowed goals early on in the season with some hefty goal scoring. Now we should also mention that Jurgordin has let in 109 goals in 30 games. Yeah. But
0: uh, yeah, I think that just about concludes uh, yeah. the episode for today. Again, want to give a uh, uh, big thanks to uh, Brendan Chinnaman for joining us. It was great chatting with him for the first time. It's funny. I've actually, uh, we, we've been trying to get him on the show since October. Um, yeah. And so uh, it, was, it was finally good to get him locked down and uh, get a chat with him. Uh, and he had said uh, actually after the interview that he'd be uh, more than happy to come back on the show and chat with us. So
1: yeah, let's, let's get him on when they play the, if, oh, it would be nice to have him in the playoffs, Ooh, if we could get that.
0: Yeah, that would be <laughs> Playoff
1: great. shin that would be kind of cool. Uh, I just want to say, say thank you to Lulio for helping us setting it up as well. Uh, to Ro- Robert up in on the Lulio PR, uh, who helped us uh, getting connected with Brendan. Uh, we got like, like you said, Dave. We've been trying to set this up since October. It goes to show that hockey players aren't that easy to get hold of all the time. We got we got a goalie who's, uh, who's uh, who is due to join us, but yeah. his schedule is it keeps changing, and COVID doesn't really help. Uh, hopefully, we'll get him on soon. And then we got a forward who obviously lost his phone <laughs> a while back. So, well, things happen
0: yeah excellent but uh before we go of course got to thank our patrons 610 take it away oh i
1: don't have them in front of me Adam, of you Darlene and- <laughs> thank
0: Darlene you for our patrons <laughs> we appreciate you uh we were actually talking about what to do with all the all the money in our uh, our patron account we're still not sure what to do with it i think there was a mention of no. uh you know putting it all on red at a casino or going out for a really nice steak dinner yeah. with some beers but uh who knows
1: We'll see. Eric, Adam, Darlene, and Tom, Linus, Andreas, Tobias, and Anton, thank you so much for uh, sponsoring this Pluck a Little Show. And thank you, Derek, for providing us with some microphones.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much for the support, guys. We really appreciate it. And thanks to all of you who listen uh, to each episode. It's really nice to see... Uh, the amount of people that are listening so thank you very much and of course as always stay safe wash your hands
1: and support your local business i'm gonna do that i'm gonna go for lunch now
0: nice excellent all right thanks guys we'll talk later see ya
1: bye